This is Space 101.1 KMGP LPFM Magnuson Park. It's the Wallingford Local, that live radio show, broadcast from the farmer's market. Come on, let's go. The last Wednesday of every month, 5 to 6 o'clock, about our favorite neighborhood with stories and music and talk. Welcome to the Wallingford Local. It's the only live radio show broadcast live from a farmer's market anywhere in the free world. We're on Space 101.1 FM the biggest little radio station in all of Seattle. We're also streaming everywhere at space101fm.org. And this show is a special project of Historic Wallingford, uh, the Wallingford Farmer's Market and Space 101.1 FM. I'm Felix Bennell. We're here live at the Wallingford Farmer's Market. It's a beautiful day. You should stop whatever you're doing and get here as soon as you can. You've got two more hours of Farmer's Market. It's all kinds of great vendors, all kinds of great fruits and vegetables. You can get dinner. There's tons of people here run into your neighbors. We're at Meridian Park, kind of midway between 45th and 50th in beautiful downtown Wallingford in North Seattle. We're going to be here for the next hour doing the radio show live, but the whole farmer's market, as I said, goes until 7 p.m. We do this show once a month during farmer's market season. We inaugurated about a month ago at the end of May, and this is our second episode of our first season, first of many seasons, we hope. We're here every last Wednesday of the month from 5 to 6 p.m., and we want to thank the people at Space 101.1 FM, the wonderful community radio station that's run out of Sandpoint, the old uh, Magnuson Park, with all sorts of great community programming. Their website at space101fm.org has the streaming signal and all kinds of other stuff. We also post episodes of this show as a podcast, and we have information at the Historic Wallingford website. We have a show packed with all kinds of great guests, as we do every month. Um, in a moment, we're going to be talking to Blake Garfield, who's organizing the Wallingford Kitty Parade, which is coming up on July 15th. That's a Saturday, just two weeks from now. We're going to talk to Jack McLaughlin and Julie Martin of wallyhood.org. Wonderful resource here for people in the Wallingford neighborhood. And we'll also talk to artist Ron Petty. We're going to have musical selections from Frank um, Myris. And then uh, Chloe Bennett from Longway Farm Incarnation is going to be our vendor of the week of the month. We'll talk to her, talk to her toward the end of the show. And as I said, we're at Meridian Park, uh, which is also known as the Good Shepherd Center, right there in the middle of Wallingford. Uh, get here as soon as you can. It's a, it's a beautiful day to be out at the farmer's market. Um, as we do with every episode, we check in with Ben Chandler from the Seattle's, Seattle Farmer's Market Association to find out what's going on. What's new this month, this week? And uh, so welcome to Wallingford Local. Thanks for letting us do the show here. You did let us do it last month. I was surprised you invited us back. We're so thrilled to have you. Thanks, Felix. Thanks for having us. So what's new at the farmer's market uh, in terms of produce or other vendors or other things here for the, uh, as we enter uh, almost, it's officially summer now, just as of a few days ago and July's right ahead. So what's going on here at the market? Everything, everything. This is the kind of weather that, that the market thrives on. It's beautiful today. It's been beautiful um, every Wednesday that we've had so far. Um, and so setting that kind of pattern in motion for the neighborhood is really important to us at the market. Folks get out, they picnic, hang with their families, eat food, buy vegetables. Um, this is the time of the year, too, for me that inspires outdoor cooking. I love looking at the market and thinking about all the all the possibilities for the grill or any other kind of outdoor cooking situation you got. Um, with the fourth coming up, that's a perfect holiday, I think, to celebrate outdoor cooking. And we've got tons of new stuff here uh, at the market. Uh, some second cycles of springtime stuff like radishes. Um, and turnips. Um, I saw the, fr the first dried garlic that I've seen, so that would have come out of the ground a couple weeks ago. Um, there's still fresh garlic, lots of garlic scapes. Uh, other things for the grill, zucchini. Uh, I saw the first uh, new potatoes of the year today from Alvarez Farms. Got cherries, every berry you can name, um, with the exception of blueberries, which are coming. Those are the things. Oh, sorry. Those are the, those are some of. The we things. we should have you back to do a cooking uh, demonstration, maybe for later in the summer, and we get we get a little more comfortable with the show. We could have you set up with a barbecue grill over here, and you could lead us. We could talk you talk us through a recipe on the radio. That sounds great. We used to run cooking demonstrations down here, um, and we still may at some point as part of our programming. Uh, it's definitely a an aim for us is to include as much uh, kitchen education, I guess, as possible. Um, how to use these ingredients and what to do with them. I'm always just not amazed, but I was here last week, just kind of checking things out in advance of the show this week, and it was packed. You always see people that you know. There's no other spot or no other time of the week in Wallingford during the summer when as many people are as gathered in one part of the neighborhood as right now, this 3 to 7 p.m. every Wednesday. It really, it's like, I wish there was some equivalent for this in the fall and the winter and the early spring, because it's sort of, uh, 
it's just really cool. I mean, this Wallingford feels more like a neighborhood during these four hours every week during the summer than any other time of the week or the year. I agree with that. I, it's worth reminding folks, I think, that we're here rain or shine, and on some of the the weather weeks that are a little more iffy, our farmers are still out here, our prepared food vendors are still out here, and so to remember that and to come on out and support us, um, we're here rain or shine. Um, and we love it, obviously, when the weather is 75 and sunny and it feels like the town square that it does. Um, I love seeing the same faces and um, having the same incremental conversations uh, that I've been having now with you for two weeks, two months straight, um, but for lots of these vendors over the course of maybe 15 years, some of them. All right, well, Ben Chandler, thanks for giving us the update on the farmer's market here in Wallingford, and uh, we will see you, I'll see, I'll see you next week, but we'll see you here for the Wallingford Local next month to find out what's going on here with the farmer's market and the vendors, and we'll uh, talk to you later on. That's right. Cheers. Thanks, Felix. That's Ben Chandler with the Seattle Farmer's Market Association, and in case you're just joining us, we are live at the Wallingford Farmer's Market. We're here till 6 o'clock doing this radio show we call the Wallingford Local, but the farmer's market goes until 7 o'clock. All kinds of great produce, all kinds of great reasons just to come and hang out, get something to eat and sit on the grass. There's no better place to get together with your neighbors on a day like this in late June in Seattle. So um, let's uh, invite our first guest to come join us here. In the, I guess they're technically our second guest. We're so comfortable with Ben Chandler, he sort of seems like a member of the family. So I guess the same could be said about our next guest too, because if you live in Wallingford or you drive on 45th, you know the store called Bedrooms and More. And Blake Garfield is with that organization. That's his family's company. And so we, you're here to mainly talk about the Wallingford Kitty Parade, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. And I'm excited about it because I'm going to be helping you by doing, announcing the floats and stuff. That's going to be great. But um, how long has your family been in Wallingford with their business anyway? Uh, since 72. My dad started the store in September of 1972 and ran it together with my mother from March of 73 when they got married until today. And how did they settle on Wallingford? Where did they, did they move from far away? Are they longtime Seattle people? Or uh, My dad is a Franklin High School graduate. Uh, my mother uh, was a UW grad, and that's where, they, where she was when my parents met. And now 1972, I mean, that's more than 50 years ago. Um, and I don't think, are you, are you, you're not 50 yet, are you? You're, okay. But so what changes have you seen in Wallingford, or what changes do your parents talk about when they talk about the way it was in 1972 when they opened their store versus 2023? Well, when Wallingford was on the blighted list of neighborhoods when my parents moved to that neighborhood to, to here with their business. And, you know, you could buy a house on Latona where they were for $12,000 at the time. And that was the only reason they were able to buy the building on the corner of the block on 45th and Latona, because it was it was a cheap place to be. It was it was not desirable. And now, I mean, it's Wallingford. It's wonderful. It's it's a place you want to be, which is pretty cool. And how did they get into that particular business of selling beds and bedding and stuff like that? It doesn't seem like something that someone would sort of, I don't know, have as a brainstorm or something. Uh, water beds. And my dad was fresh out of the military, actually still a student at UW. And they, he and his, a couple of his friends bought water beds on a credit card and they started selling them. And then they bought the building and they started selling them out of the building. And yeah, water beds was something where he thought he was saving the world because at the time all the beds were super hard and water beds were just different and he was so excited about it. Now wait a second, I remember the water bed craze. I never had a water bed, but I, I've slept on them once or twice, I think. But so wait, water beds seemed like they went away. Can you still buy water beds anywhere? Not, not as, not as easily. That there was kind of a race to the bottom in terms of quality, and they got a pretty bad reputation because there was such thin vinyl and it was disposable and it could be dangerous to an apartment complex and you know you might end up with 2,000 pounds of water spread throughout a home and uh, you can still get replacement parts and there's actually hardly a day that goes by that's following a power outage where we don't have someone coming and saying hey do you guys still have waterbed supplies I need a new heater or I need and you know that's we're about we would be so far out of business if we were still a waterbed store. Well, I had no idea. It makes sense, given the timing, early 70s, that the origins of bedrooms and more would be waterbeds. But we're not here to talk about waterbeds or to promote no. your family business. It's a wonderful place, and most of my house is outfitted with stuff from your guys' shop. Um, are you? What's your official title with the Wallingford Kitty Parade? I am the president of it. <laughs> Wait, so there's actually a president of the Wallingford Kitty Parade? Do you have a business card that says that? It actually just says community relations, but uh, I, a couple years ago when Debbie, who had been promoting and producing the parade for a number of years, said she was going to move on, and if I didn't step up, there wasn't going to be a parade ever again. And I said, I'll, you know, it would be a tragedy if it didn't continue, so I'll, I'll do this. And 
I am woefully ill-prepared to put on a parade, but I'm excited to try and make it still still exist. Wait, so no, I didn't catch. Is this your first year actually organizing a parade or your second? Or what year for, is this for you? It's not my first year participating, but definitely my first year where it, the buck stops with me. So I, I better make it a thing. Now, I know during the pandemic, a lot of seafair activities went away and weren't happening. And the Wallingford Kitty Parade, for a while there, it was called the Wallingford Family Parade, which... You know, I'm glad it's called, number one, I'm really glad it's called the Wallingford Kitty Parade again. But for someone who might be hearing this conversation to have no idea what the Wallingford Kitty Parade is, tell me a little bit about what it is, why it is. Can, can I paint a picture for me about the whole event and what it means to Wallingford? Oh, man. Uh, I, <laughs> I think community building events like this are exciting because it brings f- families out of their homes where they can feel very isolated and you know my kids are in a private school so they don't have friends around the neighborhood unless they participate in events like that and so being able to come and participate march in the parade be part of your boy scout troop that's like hey we're doing this being able to be in front of the community drill teams seafair clowns you know bicyclists and businesses who want to promote themselves to the community that they're a part of. And so, you know, for me, getting as many people to connect to their community as possible is a big deal. And if, if people like you and me and, and the people that are coming to the, the farmers markets don't, don't participate, those sorts of things, you lose that sense of community, that sense of being a part of this melting pot of Wallingford. Yeah, and I think as the pandemic is wrapping up, not completely finished, people are craving those kinds of events. I've always loved the Kitty Parade. I've lived in Wallingford since 1995, and I've been able to walk to the parade most of the times I went, whether before I had my daughter was born, when my daughter was a, a kitty, she was in the parade, and then I still go, we still go as adults just because it's something happening in the neighborhood. And I'm glad it's coming back. I'm glad Seafair is coming back sort of full force this year after going away for a few years and kind of coming back sort of midway last year. Um, now, I know the history of the parade is it's kind of murky. It goes back to the 1950s, that all that seafare, those seafare events that were created after World War II, about around hydroplanes and around the torchlight parade and that sort of thing. But um, Rhonda Bush went deep into the video archives that she has, and she came up with this terrific piece of audio, which I dubbed from a VHS tape to audio earlier today. This is, uh, see if you can identify the anchor who's speaking in this uh, bit of uh, archival audio. Well, kids are getting into the seafare spirit in Wallingford. This parade tonight is all for kids' sakes and pirates there. And look who else. T. Weedle was there, too. Children paraded down the street, some riding in homemade floats. The kids wore the most creative costumes, hoping to impress the judges and win a prize. Well, if all that's not enough for you, there's a host of other events so going on all weekend. Can, can you Many identify who the anchor's voice seafare. is? No, I, I, I'm at a loss. It sounds familiar. It sounds like the news. Yeah, it's from Como TV. We, we, we were going to give you a T-shirt if you were able to name who that was. But, um, well, first of all, can you guys hear me okay out there with the speaker? Okay, very good. All right, that's Dan, that was Dan Lewis from Como TV. I think that was when the Kitty Parade was on the evening on a Friday night, and they were playing a little bit of videotape from it on the 11 o'clock news at the, you know, on a Friday night. And it's, it's about 25 seconds. It's not a very long story, but it's neat to see on the video what the Kitty Parade looked like. What is it? How many years ago? Is that 34 years ago? Because it looks exactly the way it did last time I saw it. It hasn't changed a bit. Um, is there a particular theme that Seafair has or the Kitty Parade has this year, or how do people participate if they want to either be in the parade or volunteer with your organization? Well, participation is very much encouraged. It's a costume theme. So this is basically Halloween in July. It gives everyone an excuse to get dressed up. And participation can be you know, getting a group of people together and driving a vehicle through the parade so you can put logos for a business or you can say, hey, we're part of a, a, a Boy Scout crew, I've said that twice, but they're drill teams that perform, and so they can do a dance performance, they can you know, show off their costumes and, and match, and for, for someone who wants to be a participant in any way, the best thing to do right now is, is get your group of friends together, dress up, and if you have a business or, or a, a, a hobby that you think everybody can enjoy and experience, and you might want to bring more people into your network to be part of your hobby, that's amazing. I think it's, and I'm, I'm making it free, so, you know, if you, if you want to do it, it doesn't cost you anything. Oh, so there's, is there some laborious registration process where you have to download a PDF and then fill it out and scan it and load, upload it, or can the people just show up? You do need to register to march in the parade. It's not just a free-for-all. <laughs> it's not quite the Wild West, but on the Wallingford Parade website, you can register to to march, you can register your organization, 
organization you can register to have your vehicle in the parade you know you do have to prove that it's insured and you know <laughs> but it's it's not a big overwhelming threshold to be a participant so give me the specifics of what day it's happening what time it's happening where the best place is to get a view of all the festivities oh well so the the kind of the middle of the parade where you're going to get the best performances is going to be right in front of the wallingford center it goes from bagley to interlake on july 15th and the parade itself starts at 11 a.m and I, it seems like it usually lasts about an hour-ish, not give or take, maybe? It's less than an hour. It, it, you know, if I would love for it to be longer, but it would require a lot of people saying, okay, you know, we're going to come perform. We're going to come promote our organization and, you know, give the kids an opportunity to perform. You know, the, the All-City Band is going to be there, and so you get those kids out there performing, that's a pretty big deal, and they can you know, promote what they're doing and share their talent. I think it's so cool. And do we know if the Seafair Clowns or Seafair Pirates will be there to scare little kids? I don't know about scare, but they're definitely going to be there. Um, now, if people want to volunteer or if they want to find any information, tell us what the website address is for the Wallingford Kitty Parade. Uh, it's celebratewallingfordwa.org. So celebratewallingfordwa.org. Now, this, uh, this work you do as the president of the Wallingford Kitty Parade, is that a lifetime appointment? Or is there, something you'll, or is there a term limits? Or how long do you expect that you'll be doing serving in this organizational role in Wallingford? Do you have any prediction? Oh, man. I, I love to be a supporting role on something like this because I'm trying to be the CEO of a company and do a parade and be a good parent and a good husband is very challenging. And I would love it if someone who had more time to dedicate exclusively to this stepped up, but I will support it until I can no longer support it. I kind of thought you would move the start of the parade down to Latona, so it would start <laughs> right in front of a Bedrooms and More location there on 45th, but that's, that's, that's not going to happen, I don't think. I, I'm not that self-centered or gritty, no. <laughs> All right, uh, Blake Moore, excuse me, Blake Garfield, Wallingford Kitty Parade, um, coming up in July 15th, right? Yeah. I, it's Blake Garfield, right? Your name right. Okay, I think I might have called you Blake Moore by mistake. Okay, I don't know where I'm getting that name from. All right, well, thanks for joining us here on Wallingford Local, and we'll see you at the Kitty Parade on July 15th. Thank you for having me. All right. You are listening to the Wallingford Local live on Space 101.1 FM, the biggest little radio station in Seattle. You can tune us in on your regular old radio at 1.1 FM in 101.1 FM in most of North Seattle. You can stream us everywhere at space101fm.org. And the Wallingford Local is also available as a podcast, which posts a few hours after the show. You can go to the historic Wallingford website and listen to last month's episode if you want to start comparing um, how we did last time versus how we're doing this episode. All right. We've reached the part of the show where we have a little musical interlude, and I'm going to invite up our guitarist to come and join us. Um, Frank Miris is going to join us. I'm going to put my microphone on the mic stand and talk into it kind of funny, so then Frank's going to switch places with me. You ready to go, Frank? Yes. Okay, come and slide into the chair here. and Go ahead and uh, I'll just move out of your way here, and it's all yours. Hard to keep a guitar tuned in this okay. climate. Nice. Oh no, I could set it right here, I think. There we go. Beautiful afternoon. Wow. wonder how I'd be without you staring at the dawn Still standing days without you long as I've been gone I can't see far without you tears my face are on Time is once upon Time is once upon No more I be without you Staring at the dawn Long days and nights around you Making us both strong Our visions through the darkness Seems the lights are on Time is once upon, 
time is once upon I still can't believe I found you Hope was all but gone Seasons are so long without you Endlessly I run My time and thoughts around you Questions now are none Time is once upon Days turn to years behind us, now the climb is done. And on top of the hill before us, two can stand as one. Sorry. Yesterday's hopes upon us tomorrow soon be gone time is once upon time is once upon sorry emotional little piece for me do you want to talk a little about the song or you Oh, I don't, I don't mind answering. Uh, did they, you know, it was. Um, hang on, let me get the microphone here so I can, I can hear you. So um, that's Frank Myers who just did that musical selection there, a song he wrote. Um, that song obviously means a lot to you. I could, we, we could tell that was a very emotional performance. Uh, well, thanks for noticing. It's hard to hide. It, uh, it finally is at a, at a location there where I think I can. Um, actually get through the song but it it proved to be a little bit difficult right at the end it's always a glitchy piece uh it's about us a, uh, a loss and surviving losses appreciating yesterday and knowing tomorrow's just as special it's it's really uh just that an emotional surviving heartfelt song I like to think it's a love song. <laughs> we could definitely hear that. And you're going to join us again in about 20 minutes for another musical selection, right? We'll have you back here for yeah, something else. Okay. Good. Thanks for being here on the Wallingford Local. That's Frank Myris, our musical performance this week on the, um, see, what should we call it, the performance showcase? We need, a, we need a clever name for our Wallingford barn dance. We need some kind of a clever name for the musical features we do here. All right. Uh, well, you are listening to the Wallingford Local. It's the only live radio show broadcast from a farmer's market anywhere in the free world. We're here till 6 p.m., Wherever you are right now, if you're anywhere near Wallingford, the most wonderful neighborhood in North Seattle, uh, you should get to the Farmer's Market. We're at Meridian Park, which is between 45th and 50th, right off of Meridian Street. Uh, it's uh, right next to the Good Shepherd Center. Lots of good parking, I'm told, if you go to the west. West of Meridian is the best place to park your car if you want to come to the Farmer's Market. All right, we have a lot more show. We're, we're here doing this show till 6 o'clock. We're here every last Wednesday of the month from 5 to 6 p.m. at the Wallingford Farmer's Market through September. Uh, it's kind of a seasonal thing. This is our second episode of our very first season. And so, but the farmer's market goes till 7 p.m. So you don't have to, you don't have to rush unless you want to actually see the radio show in person. All right. Uh, our next guests are with a website that I've known for a long time and I've checked out very often called wallyhood.org. Got um, Jack McLaughlin and Julie Martin. Um, so Jack, what is your role with Wallyhood? Oh, I'm an editor and a writer, as is Julie. And you know, I've always thought the Wallyhood name. Let's just go right to the name. I always thought the Wallyhood name was really clever. Is there a is there an origin story for who thought of Wallyhood, or is it? Does I do you, do you, is there an origin story? Uh, well, there probably is an origin story, but I don't have it. The <laughs> blog was founded in about 2009 by Jordan Schwartz. He's the guy with the origin story. He's the guy with the clever name. And so, um, so okay. So you're sir, you're a writer and editor. And Julie, what do you do? Uh, same writer and editor. We're kind of a team of writers and editors. There's four of us who are core, and then a number of um, writers beyond that. Now, I don't mean to pry, but is this a volunteer thing, or is this a paying job, or who wants to talk about the economics of Wallyhood? Uh, definitely a volunteer thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, like Space 101, uh, kind of challenging to find people to fill various roles and do various stories. Uh, oftentimes, there are good stories that need to be written, but we can't find anybody to do them, so uh, you know, it's, it's challenging. Now, um, I know 
Wally Hood covers. It's a blog that covers the Wallingford area. You guys have writers. There's great photographs. I often sort of, remember, I was sort of following the breaking news when the Guild 45th was going through its kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, death throes a year or two ago when they tore down the, the one auditorium. I think I was getting the, I was you know, using, I was looking at Wally Hood to see what was going on and then reporting stories on the radio station I work for. So you guys definitely, you cover Wallingford really well. Um, and obviously in this day and age, we don't have the print newspapers we used to have in the neighborhood. We don't have, you know, even the local media outlets don't have the reporters to cover neighborhood news the way they do. So is there a, beyond just covering Wallingford with what people want to write about, is there a, a, a mission or a credo or something that sort of drives why you're doing this or, or why it's worth doing this in 2023? Who, who wants to take that question? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think I would say it's about um, building and maintaining and growing our community and the opportunities we have to connect with neighbors and to highlight stories. It's, it's really exciting and motivating, I think, for all of us to see that happening. Now, I don't look that closely at the comments, but do you get lots of wacko, weird comments you have to delete on stories? Uh, we do, yes. There are certain key topics that will invite those comments. And uh, yeah, we, we know when we're going to be posting a story about trees or certain political um, topics, we're, we're going to get some comments, yes. The, the thing that I, I don't know if Wally Hood has ever investigated this story, but the story that I always consider doing myself at some point is how for the 4th of July in certain parts of Wallingford, you put out your yard waste bin and your garbage bin to save your parking spots. And most people know not to mess with them. It's like this sort of I'm sure it's completely illegal. It's nowhere in the municipal code to say you can block off parking spots. But if you want to have a place to park, if you go to the store on the 4th of July, you just you know, wheel your big recycling. And I wonder what people did before they had those big recycling bins. Because I mean, in the almost 30 years I lived in Wallingford, 4th of July is like not quite a war zone, but it's sort of you have to decide if you're going you're gonna to stay in, you're going to go out and not come back. Because if you go out and you're going to park miles away from your house. But um, have you, do you have any, Jack, do you have any thoughts on, on Wallingford and 4th of July parking? Uh, well, I'm immediately thinking of where I come from, Boston, which we have a similar issue during the winter, uh, people digging out spaces and then putting their furniture in the spaces and expecting that that space will be there for them. But to get back to Wallingford, uh, we do post about the July 4 uh, parade. This is the neighborhood's probably biggest event, 50,000 people down to Gasworks, and we have a post that will go up on Saturday? Yeah, the 1st of July, about uh, the parade this year. We have some tips there about parking. I live actually south of 40th, so I know a lot about the parking situation there. And uh, you know, the road is often, um, that whole area south of 40th, it's often blocked off by the police. So what do you do? Um, park north of 40th, that would be my strategy if I was coming from outside the neighborhood. <laughs> Walk down to the park. And the other thing that people don't really uh, realize if they park south of 40th is uh, the traffic is all outbound after the fireworks. You are not going to be moving southbound. So, uh, and it's going to be very slow too. So if you're parking north of 40th, you can walk back to your car and maybe escape some of the mayhem after the fireworks. <laughs> there was a 4th of July maybe 10 or 15 years ago where it started to rain and got at about 11 o'clock in the morning and after a fairly mild morning you know, where it wasn't rainy. And I live south of 40th as well. And there was just this parade of humanity that started. Same, same thing you sort of see once the fireworks end where it looks like there's just this mass column of like soulless, faceless individuals all marching to north toward their cars. It's it's the one day of the year where Wallingford is like this feels like it's the center of the Seattle universe anyway. And it's um, it's a huge inconvenience, but it doesn't bother me. It's only once a year. Although in the years when the um, solstice parade was very popular, we've had parking issues where I live too, where you put your you have to put your garbage can out. Not, not as intense as Fourth of July, but the same kind of thing. So. Um, in terms of issues facing Wallingford and what people, you mentioned some of the hot button things are around trees and stuff. What do you think, Wallingford 2023, what are people most thinking about in terms of living in this neighborhood and what's changing or things they can't control or what, you know, what's the stuff that, that gets people's goats the most here in, in Wallingford in 2023? Julie? Oh, great question. I mean, our, our city is growing and changing, and so a lot of those topics are really important to people in Wallingford. Um, housing is a, is a frequent and important topic. You know, the, the housing is changing and the spaces are changing, um, so there's a lot of conversation about that. Um, I think there's, there's also a lot of enjoyment of our community, our um, local businesses, so that's... Um, part of what people are excited and interested about right now, too. Yeah, I would add homelessness is a big issue, and uh, that's cropped up in Wallingford a number of times, uh, camping at Gasworks Park, 
RVs uh, down on North Lake Way by the Ivars, and then Woodland Park. Um, so people have been, uh, you know, riled about that for a few years. In fact, uh, you know, our new mayor was elected, I would think, largely because of uh, his proposed solutions to the homeless crisis. Yeah, the housing thing, just you know, where I live, and you just drive around Wallingford, you see so many tear down, rebuild, you know, giant rectilinear houses built where once a little sort of farmhouse type house stood and someone maximizes the footprint, which you understand why, if they're paying so much for the real estate, they want to kind of build everything out to the property line. But I mean, I understand now how a neighborhood's character and look changes gradually over time. It's just sort of, you know, I remember 30 years ago, there weren't a lot of teardowns and new rebuilds in Wallingford the way there are now. And that's, that's, I guess, the price you pay for being so close to the city, which is the, one of the nicest things about Wallingford, is if you need to get downtown Seattle and there's no traffic, it's very close. And it's easy to ride your bike, easy to take a bus and everything. There's all sorts of wonderful things. But that means it's attractive to people who move here from elsewhere. And thank God they do, because that kind of keeps things dynamic and changing. I guess, I don't know. Do, do people get uh, passionate about uh, how great it is that Wallingford's changing, or do people, is it mostly, do, you, do, you, do anyone like that? Or is that kind of the outliers who say that sort of thing? You know, I remember this, uh, most of people, you know, getting, you know, all spun up about change back when the zoning was being changed. Back in 2018, I think 2019 is when the city council approved a whole host of uh, zoning changes in a number of different areas across Seattle, also in Wallingford. And uh, we had a lot of people at that time writing stories. We were inviting stories from anybody that wanted to write one. on Wallyhood. In fact, to this day, we still would invite anybody that wants to author stories on Wallyhood to contact us. Our address would be blog at wallyhood.org. Little announcement there. But we had a lot of people posting on both sides, changing zoning, not changing zoning, and also tons of people commenting on our articles. Uh, so when I think of people getting really invested and spun up on issues, that's the first one that comes to mind. And you can't help, but if you're in sort of south of 40th and you look to the east and you see those big multi, you know, the apartment buildings that are going up in the university district where a lot of the density around the um, light rail, it's so close to Wallingford. It's so, it's like it's right on, we're right on the edge. What what had been a fairly residential, single family, duplex kind of neighborhood is going, getting much more dense. And I guess it's easy to imagine 10, 20, 30 years down the line that along those places where the zoning shapes, like along Pacific and places like that, we will see that increased density. And again, that just sort of seems like not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just the price you pay for having a, a healthy, growing economy that people, being in a place where people want to live. I think that's a, that's a good problem to have for my, I guess, you know, yeah. and I'm not some like pro-growth zealot, you know, nut or anything like that, but it's just interesting to watch. It feels like we're in the middle of this dramatic pivot point and change. Um, now, um, I like to think of does Wallyhood. I think of Wallyhood having like an office somewhere, with like a ceiling fan, and everyone in big wooden desks and typewriters. But there probably isn't anything like that. Tell me, tell me about the the office situation, virtual or otherwise, for Wallyhood. Yeah, there is no office space, no budget for that. Uh, all the editors work out of their homes, as do the writers. Um, we will reach out to the community for um, uh, input. Uh, obviously, we take photos around the neighborhood for our various different stories. Um, the, like I said, we do invite anybody in the neighborhood that wants to write for us to write for us, and they can choose their own stories to write, or every once in a while, um, we send out emails to our email ri- our writers list and uh, with some ideas of stories. And those stories are often, uh, story ideas are often contributed by our readers. Uh, tips or questions. We've had people asking us about the Stoneway Cafe, what's going to become of that space on Stoneway. They used to be uh, on the uh, east side of Stoneway, uh, but now a new building's going up in their space, so they moved across the road, but they haven't actually opened yet. Yeah, I was actually wondering that myself. Do you have any inside information on that? I'm afraid I don't, but we, were, we would love to put a writer on that story. If there's a, re- a listener out there who would like to write a story for us on that, blog at wallyhood.org. Email us. That's right, because Stoneway Cafe was on the east side of Stoneway. Then they rehab rehabilitated the old Daly's building which I was so sad that's the one thing okay if I can complain kind of sort of be like the old man complaining about Wallingford changing no more Daly's no more uh, what was the electric supply store that was Stoneway just Stoneway Electric, Electric. They had everything you needed to like maintain a rundown old house and talk to real profe- yeah no, that's the biggest loss I do because I drive over to the one in Ballard now I just I get it makes me mad every time I have to drive that far to go to that store especially when it's just like for one like you know wing nut or something or washer or something but yeah we had so many great home improvement stores along Stone Way they're just gone now and replaced by you know again 
density, which is okay. Okay, so let's ask, are there any other mysteries like that or other hot button issues that people are, like Stoneway Cafe, That's a, I'm glad you brought that up because that is sort of a mystery right now. Anything else, Julie, you know of that where there's sort of a questions about what's going on or someone doesn't know or things you're looking for writers to cover? Um, I don't know if there's anything off the top of my head that uh, I can think of. No. Does anybody want to start a holiday lighting contest on 45th? I thought that would be cool. So do, do one of you guys want to do that? I think we need to see 45th all decorated up for the holidays. You know, it's been a while because <clears throat> I remember they used to do that. Did and they? Yeah, and I think it was like 15 years ago they painted all the bricks, and that's kind of wearing away now, so it would be nice to see that all renovated. Um, I don't know how that got, got done, actually. All right, well, there's a mystery. If a, if a writer wants to write about that, blog at wallyhood.org, right? Um, so... Um, Maybe one last controversial question here about the, are there, does Wallingford have actual boundaries? Or does the city mark boundaries out in their neighborhood council district or anything like that? Or do we have any, or what are the boundaries of Wallingford? If someone asked you on a radio show and put the microphone in your face, tell me the relative geographic boundaries that define the Wallingford neighborhood or community in Seattle. Who wants to take this one? Julie, okay, Jack. Well, I'd say it starts at Lake Union. It goes north to Green Lake and uh, east to west. It's from Stoneway over to uh, I-5. So west of Stone, it's not Wallingford anymore. Technically, I'd say that's not Wallingford, but we'll do stories about that, that side of the road if somebody wants to write them. Are there similar blogs in Seattle that are sort of doing other neighborhoods as thoroughly as you guys do? Or I know there's like West Seattle has one. I think Burien, which isn't really Seattle, has something. Southwest Seattle, but are there other in that in that same Walling Wallyhood vein? Uh, yeah, there's a blog called My Ballard, and then uh, Fremont also has a blog. Uh, but as for Wallingford, I think we're the only neighborhood blog. There are sites like Nextdoor and, of course, things like Twitter and so forth. But I think what distinguishes us is that we actually author stories and we actually do fact-check to the best of our ability. You know, it's totally different from what you'll find on a Twitter or a Nextdoor or a Facebook. Now, I've looked at Nextdoor before. I've never signed up for Nextdoor. It looked like just a way to sign up, like, announce to people that you're going to be out of town and your house would be able to be robbed if you wanted. But is there, <laughs> I mean, am I, am I missing out anything by not being on Nextdoor that you, either one of you can speak to? Well, I did lose my cat and found it through next door with lots of pictures and posts. And so I think there are some really good things going on in next door as well. Okay, you mentioned cats disappearing. I've noticed a lot of posters in my neighborhood and I've seen a lot of coyotes. Is the, is the two and two together that coyotes are not running rampant, but coyotes are present and are responsible for most of the pets that disappear in Wallingford? Is, is this, have you guys written about this? Has someone written about this? Uh, yeah, um, we have two cats, my wife and I. And um, I'm not sure that the coyotes would really take them on. I mean, they have so much other forage, like our trash, that they could get into. I don't know why they would have to pick on a, a feisty cat full of claws. But um, I'll be writing a story shortly in about a week about uh, stray and uh, feral cats and an organization in the city called the Alley Cat Project, which can help you find a home for cats like that and deal with them if they're bothering your own cats. So. Uh, your cats are a topic in the city. Yeah, definitely lots of cats, lots of pets, and lots of coyotes in Wallingford. I see them, I've seen them probably three or four times walking my dogs in the last, just in the last year or so. Um, now, is Wallyhood completely, is there any advertising revenue? Do you guys sell ads at all, or is it all just a volunteer project, community project? Well, there is, uh, we, we do have the capability to sell ads, and it used to be completely ad-supported, and we may have some ads running there right now. Um, our founder, Jordan Schwartz, uh, is uh, paying the bills currently. I don't know if he is also s accepting the ad revenue that comes from that, but we do, uh, in the past we've had ads, and, and we may have ads in the, at the present time as well. Uh, right. Bedrooms and More has been a supporter, a longtime supporter in the past. And um, so again, so just to, so people know it, tell me the website and tell me how to get involved, if, if, or how to reach out to you guys if you want to get involved. You want to, who wants to do that? Jack? Uh, well, the website is wallyhood.org, and if you're interested in uh, writing for us, email us at blog at wallyhood.org. That will go to all of the editors, and uh, readers are invited to register uh, on the site, and that allows them to comment and also uh, participate in our forum. It's like the Lost and Found forum. If you have a lost cat, or if you found a lost cat, or you have a lost cat, um, there's a crime forum. There's a general forum for things that don't fit in the other forums. So uh, you can uh, interact with us that way as well. All right. Je oh, Jeff, Julie, you want to add yeah, something? I would just add that um, we love highlighting community voices, and writing sounds sort of intimidating or it has to be professional, and it doesn't. We love 
just knowing our neighbors and hearing what's on their minds. So it can be really informal. So someone could have a really bizarre extremist opinion and you would you would give them a platform is what you're saying? I am not inviting that, but yes, we give a platform to all. They will be edited. They will be edited. <laughs> all kidding aside, what I like about Wallyhood is that unlike the big social media platforms, it's local and it's organic and it's not the algorithm's not tracking you and suggesting things for you. It's 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 like picking up a newspaper and everyone sees the same thing and everyone can comment on the same things. That's that's priceless. And the work you guys do to promote events and let people know what's going on when it's it's just it's wonderful. So Jack McLaughlin and Julie Martin from Wallyhood.org, thanks for joining us on the Wallingford Local. Thanks. Thank you. All right. All right, you are listening to the Wallingford Local. We're live at the Wallingford Farmers Market. It's about twenty minutes to six PM. This means we have about twenty more minutes of show to do. And there's about an hour and 20 minutes of the farmer's market. This farmer's market is here every Wednesday from 3 to 7 p.m. at Meridian Park in beautiful downtown Wallingford. The radio show is just once a month. We're at the last Wednesday of the month from 5 to 6 p.m. We just like to talk to vendors and talk to guests who are doing cool and interesting things in support of this community of Wallingford. And, you know, the farmer's market attracts people from, fall, from all over. We hope you're listening from all over as well. We're on Space 101.1 FM, which you can tune in on your radio in most of North Seattle and in Kirkland across the lake. And you can also stream anywhere at space101fm.org. And we'll post each episode as a podcast. That'll post later this evening. And you can get information about that at the historic Wallingford website. All right. Uh, we're going to bring back our musical guest, Frank Myris, to join us here on the, uh, what are we calling it, the... Um, Wallingford Local Hayride, something like that, uh, musical stage. I'm going to put the microphone, clip the microphone into place, and Frank's going to slide into his chair. Go ahead and sit down there, Frank, then I'll put the microphone so I can fill up the dead air while you're getting Thank ready there. Thank you, Felix. All right, what are we going to hear from you this time, Frank? A very special friend is a really deep song, but I hope it doesn't come out that way. Uh, but it's about somebody I don't have in my life anymore. We all have those, so maybe we'll connect on that. All right, in just a minute, we're going to hear from Frank Myers here on the Wallingford Local, live on Space 101.1 FM from the Wallingford Farmer's Market. Come down and join us and buy some produce, get some to eat, listen to the music. And we're going to let Frank, let the microphone stand collapse. <laughs> let Frank there take it away. There we are. Thank you. The things that you and I had young And missing every day We'll soon be paying all that back And time will tell the day Only the sweetest memories Keep my mind and soul alive Just waiting for just waiting for that moment to arrive Our friendship's strong and memories pure For in this song I say Let me help you find in me Help you find the way Only the sweetest memories Keep my mind and soul alive, just waiting for, just waiting for that moment to arrive. So many years I wonder so, and yet it seems so far. Today I'm happy just to know exactly where you are. Only the sweetest memories Keep my mind and soul alive Just waiting for Just waiting for that moment to arrive Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for the All right, thank you to Frank Myris, our musical guest here on the Wallingford Local um, Showcase Showdown. No, Hayride, I guess, is a better name for that. All right, you're listening to the Wallingford Local. We're live at the Wallingford Farmer's Market. Come on down. we got another 15 minutes of the radio show, but the Farmer's Market goes till 7 p.m. There's all kinds of great produce. All your neighbors are already here. 
come on down to the Wallingford Farmer's Market. We're live on Space 101.1 FM and streaming at space101fm.org. All right, well, I'm really uh, excited to welcome our next guest, Ron Petty, who's an artist who's been well-known in Wallingford and done a lot of amazing things around here. I don't want to read your bio and sort of tell people what you did, but there's one particular work that you're best known for here in Wallingford, and which, which work is that? Well, that's the Wallingford Animal Storm uh, sculpture, which went in about uh, 40 years ago, a long time ago. It's been there for a while. What were the origins of that? Was it, how was that commissioned, and what was your inspiration for doing that? Well, uh, as a recipient of the commission, I can. My best re recollection is that uh, Martha Glubiak, who was uh, a member of the Wallingford Community Council at the time, um, she's the one that apparently decided that Wallingford might want to have a work of art, and so she started the idea. The, the uh, Community Council followed through, put together a, a, uh, an art council and had uh, an open competition. I think there were 16 artists that competed. And then it was reduced to four, uh, of which I wasn't one of. But I saw the work that they did, and I thought that I, I felt that my, the work that I was wanted to do was better. So I asked the uh, selection committee if I could come back on and submit my proposal with no stipend because everybody got a stipend of I don't know what it was a couple hundred bucks or whatever and so I would do this for free and uh, so they allowed me to do that and when I submitted my proposal it wound up uh, being selected and so for people who don't know the work of art that we're talking about I most people do but can you describe first of all where it is and what it looks like it's on the corner of uh, Wallingford Avenue and 45th, across the street from the uh, big grocery store there. And it, uh, my approach was, because the, the prospectus asked for something that reflected the uh, character of the community, which is getting pretty broad and pretty hard to figure out, especially in an inner city community like this. Uh, one thing I noticed about Wallingford, it had a tremendous amount of wildlife in it. So I decided to represent the wildlife of Wallingford. And uh, then the, the, uh, the way I delivered it was I came up with the whimsical idea of, 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 an, of a storm of animals. So that's why it has the name Wallingford Animal Storm. And the uh, bronze, uh, two-thirds of it is, is bronze. And it's kind of a vortex with a, a lot of animals in it. But there are animals that reside in Wallingford. And then uh, on the top there is a uh, cloud section that's actually made out of aluminum, which got a lot of criticism at the time because, and probably still does, because the uh, the uh, mixing mediums is not exactly what what the, what people like to see. Except it's art, so you do what you want. Wait a second, people are complaining because you were mixing aluminum and bronze. The critics, not people. <laughs> There's a big difference there. So the people that were uh, trashing it, you might say, weren't artists. They were critics. Uh, like, uh, well, I won't mention any names. That'd be getting kind of tacky here. <laughs> I think it's great if the critics notice and talk about that. That's doing its job. It's creating a conversation, whether they're complaining about it or loving it. And it's, obviously, it's been there for a long time. It's it's so part of so much part of the landscape. People know it and love it. And it's just it's one of the things that. When you see it, when you drive by it or walk by it, you know without thinking in so many words, I'm in Wallingford, I'm on 45th, I mean, at this particular intersection. Same way that the food giant sign used to do across the street until they changed it to Wallingford, which that's a whole other conversation, I think, for the whole spelling bee approach to preservation on that sign. Um, but have, so have you lived in Wallingford for a long time? Uh, we, my wife, Marianne, and I, we, we, we lived in the University District. And we moved into uh, the Wallingford District about 1975. We lived on 2nd Avenue, straight over about three blocks straight east from this location. And then we built ourselves a house. We took a year off from work and built our house. Uh, I have a construction background as well. And uh, we moved, uh, that's down on the bottom of Sunnyside, where we've lived all the rest of the time for 40-some years now. So 1975, you're on 2nd Avenue, kind of between like 46th and 50th, right there. Yeah, I still I lived on 1st for a while between 46th and 50th, like 30, 25 years ago. But what's if you had to describe what Wallingford was like in 1975, can you remember clearly what it, the neighborhood felt like, what the character of the people who lived here was like, or was it is it is that too far back in the mists of time to think about? 
It's far back in the midst of time, but fortunately I can still remember it. <laughs> um, one of the things that was different was that Wallingford had very few dogs in it. I mean, you, you had to strain to see a dog, but everybody had a cat. On our block, there were 18 cats, just that one block. The whole neighborhood was like that. So there were cats everywhere. It was a cat neighborhood. Now there are no cats. That's why we have rabbits. There's nobody eating the bunnies. And uh, everybody has dogs now. So that's one thing that's different. The other thing that's different is that it was a very, it was an aging community. Everybody was a bunch of, you know, old people like I am now. There were very few children in all of Wallingford. I mean, there were kids here, of course, but not like today, where every block has many, many families with children, and with, which is great. But uh, that was the difference. And also the, the gas plant was... Uh, the reason why Wallingford has all these kind of working-class houses in it is because the, the wind, the, 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 the natural course of the wind blows, blowing from the uh, gas works blew the smell of that gas works into the neighborhood and it was under un, un, undesirable neighborhood and uh, once the gas work disappeared well that changed this is a, the most desirable neighborhood I think in Seattle and that design of gas works park by rich hag the landscape architect to retain those structures from the gas plant I mean I know it wasn't exceedingly popular at the time but I think over time he he's proven right that that doing that although it gets coated with graffiti and there's always issues with it I spend a lot of time on Lake Union and get to look at that park from the water side, and it's just there's nothing else like it. It's a it's a it's a crown jewel in the park system. Is and as radical as it was 50 years ago to propose keeping part of a smelly old gas plant that had been polluting the neighborhood for you know 80 years at that point. It's pretty amazing. Um, now, I understand that you recently donated some historic materials to Historic Wallingford, some clippings and newspaper stuff. Can you tell me about that? Well, it's all the material I had from the sculpture project, actually, uh, from the Outlook newspaper. The uh, PI was a newspaper in town at the time and times. And I saved all of the articles, like most people do. And I turned that over uh, to the historical committee, so or commission, so that they can uh, put that in the, for the history of Wallingford and actually have... Uh, well, newspaper clippings, and, and there's two videos. One video was made by Vince Lyons, who was the president of the Wallingford Community Council at the time. He's, he's since passed away. He made a great video of the parts being cast in the foundry. Uh, the foundry was the Bob Mortensen foundry. He also lived in the neighborhood uh, down on Wallingford Avenue, uh, and Vince Lyons also lived on Wallingford Avenue. And... Uh, so every, you know, even the people that produce the works, I lived in Wallingford. So it really is a homegrown piece in, in all in respect of the word, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Now, I haven't looked at it closely. Does it include rabbits and coyotes? Things have changed. It doesn't have rabbits. It doesn't have coyotes. There's four. There's, what you see where the cloud section is bolted to the bronze section. Those bolts on the heads of those bolts, there's a beaver on the head of each one of those bolts because just a couple of weeks before it went in, some beavers moved into a Gasworks Park and started clear-cutting it. So, so beavers showed up and I, I put the beavers on. But there's a lot of things that are, eagles weren't around, you know, the DDT thing was going, eagles were not around, they didn't exist too much at the time. And uh, there's been a lot of re animal recovery and so uh, there are animals on that uh, piece, uh, are missing from that piece that actually live in the neighborhood now. And that's nice because that makes it historical because things have changed and it doesn't reflect exactly the times. It reflects the time it was made, which is wonderful. Well, Ron Petty, the artist behind the Wallingford Animal Storm, thanks for joining us on the Wallingford Local. It's been really nice to meet you and hear about your work. All right. Thanks a lot. It's great. All right. We've got just a few more minutes uh, here on the Wallingford Local, our June episode live from the Wallingford Farmer's Market. The market goes until 7 p.m. Get on down here. It's a beautiful evening. It's one of those perfect Seattle nights where it's about... I don't know. No, it's 78 degrees here in the booth, 47% humidity. We give weather reports on this show, too, which the podcast listeners love. And um, there's a nice breeze. It's just, it's just one of those perfect Wallingford summer nights. And now we're joined by our guest in the Wallingford Vendor Spotlight. Yes, it's Chloe Bennett from Longway Farm. Thanks for joining us on the Wallingford Local. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Now, what is the Longway Farm? Where is it? What do you guys grow? 
Yeah, so uh, my name's Chloe. I'm a co-owner of Longway Farm. We're in Carnation, Washington. Uh, we, this is our second season. We are on three quarters of an acre. We're growing on three quarters of an acre. And we grow mixed vegetables and cut flowers. Now, three quarters of an acre doesn't sound very big to me. Is that, am I, I don't, I guess I don't understand. That, are you able to actually grow a lot on three quarters of an acre? Yeah, I mean, so far we've been able to grow quite a bit. Um, so the property is owned by King County, so there are 14 acres total. Um, but the Snow Valley Tilth uh, manages the property. And so, so far, like I said, it's our second season. Uh, we've been, my, the person who I, I farm with and I have been farming uh, in the Snoqualmie Valley for a couple of years now. Um, and yeah, so we're just trying, trying it out and three quarters of an acre feels pretty okay uh, right now. Uh, and now what do you have what do you have at the booth today or this week at the farmers Reserve? what are you guys selling at Longway Farm? Yeah, this week we have fava beans. Uh, we've got chard, beautiful red chard this week. Um, we've got some flowers are starting to come on. So we've got some stock and sweet peas. We still got a couple of sweet pea bunches. Um, but yeah. And how do you how did, in 2023 or 2022 when you started, how what's the path that gets you into farming in Carnation in rural King County? And coming to a farmer's market like this once a week during the summer, I mean, how does how does someone get attracted and get inspired to do this kind of farming in this day and age? Yeah, so uh, we actually started the farm. We had uh, like farming-related injuries, and so we could no longer work for the types of operations that we were working on. And so we are starting out with three quarters of an acre. We've been, like I said, uh, farming in the Snoqualmie Valley, and we absolutely love it there. It's so beautiful. And Carnation is just where that Snow Valley Tilth program has their their land, their property. Um, but yeah, we wanted we knew we wanted to stay in the Snoqualmie Valley. We'd sold at farmers markets before. Uh, we'd never done we'd never worked for CSA farms, so we knew that we kind of wanted to start out doing something we were familiar with, which is you know more market farming. Um, so yeah, this this is our first first season um, selling at the Wallingford Farmers Market. Last year we were at Madrona. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. It's so beautiful here. We really love this market. Now, a month or so into the season, do you have, do you have regular customers yet? Do you recognize the same people coming past the booth? Is there sort of the sense of community that I imagine would happen at a place like this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just ran into someone who bought scallions from us last week. So it is really sweet to have people come back and, and tell you what they bought and what they, what they made with their stuff. That is something that I really love about selling at farmer's markets. Yeah, I mean, the work that you guys do. And imagine at, on, uh, with a three-quarter acre farm in the Snoqualmie Valley, do you spend a lot of time weeding? And and then do you sort of like think, does your mind kind of wander? Can you do the work without thinking about it? Or is that, I mean, is it, is it intense? Give me kind of just a little, paint a little picture of what it's like to to be actually like on the in the dirt in a farm like you have. Yeah, so on three-quarters of an acre, we don't have, uh, we don't own any tractors. So it's a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of hand weeding. We have a lot of hand tools for sure is very different than the type of farming that we had been doing before this which had been you know a lot more tractor based um, but yeah it's you definitely do have to force yourself to think about other things listen to lots of podcasts that's amazing we do listen to a lot of those um, and yeah it's great we've kind of tried to plan our schedules to have both of us out there to to help uh, you know have someone else out there you can talk to and there are also other people out there farming so it's really lovely to get to kind of run into people every once in a while but it's very busy there's so much to do it's never never-ending to-do list there's just always something that you could be doing and like you said lots of weeding and will the offerings that you'll have at your booth as the summer progresses will that change as the seasons change or the other things you don't have now that you'll have in July or August for instance yeah, absolutely. We yesterday we planted all of our melons, so we got our watermelons in the ground and our canary melons. So that was really exciting. Uh, next week uh, we're gonna have some iceberg lettuce, um, and we have some more summer squash. We're growing this beautiful variety of summer squash called Zephyr, and it's yellow and green, and it's it's really lovely. But yeah, we're gonna have some of the same things, but we do change it up throughout the season for sure. It sounds wonderful. So thanks for bringing your stuff to the Wallingford Farmers Market, and thanks for joining us on the Wallingford Local to tell us about Longway Farm in Carnation, Washington, and your Chloe Bennett. Thanks for being on the Wallingford Local. Oh, thanks so much. All right, we are just about out of time here on the big show. It just looks like about another minute to go um, by my watch, which means uh, it's time to say the credits. So I want to thank our producer, Laura Scott. I want to thank our composer of our theme song, Joe Jessick. And I want to thank Rhonda Bush and Sarah Martin, who also helped put the show together um, from Historic Wallingford. 
I also want to thank our friends at Space 101.1 FM, who we love and adore for letting us do this show. I want to thank everyone who comes to the Wallingford Farmer's Market every Wednesday during the season and comes to see us on the last Wednesday of every month from 5 to 6 p.m. There's a whole nother hour of this week's Farmer's Market, so if you're anywhere nearby, get in your carbon neutral vehicle or walk to the farm, Farmer's Market, pick up some produce, pick up some fruit, pick up something to eat for dinner and see your neighbors here at the Wallingford Farmer's Market. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of July. I don't know what the date is off the top of my head. Also, remember the Wallingford Kitty Parade is on Saturday, July 15th. I'm going to hand it over to the station back at Space 101.1 FM. I'm Felix Bunnell for the Wallingford Local.